coming into a Christmas season, a holiday that gets a whole lot of glitter and glamour, we're aware that it also raises intense amounts of pain, uh, expectations that haven't been met, uh, families that aren't what we wish they would be, whether by origin or even our own. The reality that we look out and say, man, I thought I would be further. I thought I would be different. I thought things would not be right where they're at. I thought I would be different. I thought I would grow out of this. I thought I wouldn't have to deal with this still. And Advent is a reminder that in the midst of all that mess, God still comes. Emmanuel, God with us. Tonight, we're going to take a peek at the story of Jesus' mom and the story she sang. And so before uh, we get into her song, I want us to remember that it was God's mission that led them to the place they were at. We often jump to Luke 2. There's that moment, right, where, where there's a scared uh, teenage woman who said yes to Jesus and the work that he had for her, yes to, to God and the, the movement that he had in her, the mission that he had for her, invited into the story that had her and her freaked out fiance, hunched over in a cave, about to give birth, uh, where animals were watching. Right? It wasn't that she had done something wrong and taking an off path out of the story. She was actually doing exactly what God had invited her into, and that's the moment when she's hunched over, right, in this cave, this barn, about to give birth. In the stalls with the smells, the scurrying of the animals, and the sounds that accompany birth, Mary is right where she's supposed to be. She's in the white hot center of God's will for her, for all of humanity, a momentous moment in history, this weaving together of God's past, his present, and the future. And yet, there had to have been so much disappointment that was coming along with what was about to take place. She was literally in Bethlehem, the the city where her husband's whole family lived, like all his relatives, everyone he knew, aunts, uncles, right, would all been in this town. That's why he was going back there. And so when they say there was no room in the inn, what they're saying is none of their family would actually even let them have a place to lay their head as pregnant Mary came through because her saying yes to God had led to her being pushed out of their circles of favor. An unwed teenage mom was a scandal, and so there was no room. And yet we see from Mary that she was willing to step into that because she had a bigger picture. And we get a preview of that picture, which she's going to sing in Luke chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, I would love if you opened it up there. Uh, Luke chapter 1. And I just want to read this song that Mary sings, make a few observations, and then send us to the table. Uh, this is the song Mary sings after she visits her, her cousin Elizabeth. Uh, Mary said, uh, verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. 
just as he promised our ancestors. And then we find out that Mary got to hang out with her cousin a little bit longer. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, Jesus, we come to you once again. Uh, glad that you're meeting with us. Glad that you're not uh, out in the sky somewhere, but you're very present here. And so would you, uh, in these moments, continue the work that you've started in our lives. Stir up our faith. Grow our love for you. Uh, would we be more faithful for the time we've spent here with you? We love you. Amen. Uh, two things I just want to show real quick about Mary's posture that led her to be able to sing this incredible song. It's a song that you could take line for line and continue to mine the depths of it. And I encourage you to do that even this week. Just take this song and soak in it. There is so much goodness that I'm not even going to try to unpack every single word. Uh, the first thing I want you to see, though, as Mary is this woman of faith, this woman who steps into God's story, who's able to say yes when a stinking angel shows up and says, here's the plan for you. I'm about to rearrange and honestly mess up a lot of your life, but it is going to bring beauty in the end. Do you want in? Uh, we don't often think about the announcement of Jesus' birth like that, right? Because we're waiting for that. We're excited. We're hopeful. We know our redemption secured and locked into that. She's looking out. Well, there goes my wedding day. Uh, there goes my reputation. There goes everything everyone has ever thought of me. But for the goodness of the gospel, I will absolutely step into that because Jesus is doing something that's bigger than me, and I want to be a part of that. But what prompted that for her? The first thing that I would love, do you, just how do we get in that place? The first thing is to be a posture of a selfless servant. So Mary had, had this idea. She rightly saw where she was in God's story. Uh, for us as Americans, we have a really hard time with this. Like we always wanna be the hero of any given story because we've been told since we were little, you get to be the hero of any story. Like you be what you wanna be, you dream big, you go after it, you're gonna be the hero of your own story. Mary had a very different scene though, right? Mary steps in and says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Uh, this idea that God is great, and I am not, frees her up to be able to take her role in God's story. Frees her up to remember that, that, that God is the one who doesn't get anxious in his planning, uh, as he controls, he never manipulates. Uh, as a king, he is good, and he has been working something together throughout history, and he's now invited her to play a role in that, and she's ready to say, whatever that role is, I will play it. And the role of servant, there, there's no filter that lets you fake that serving is sexy somehow. Like, it doesn't happen. Like, you can't, like, somehow spin this to be like, oh, this is really, really great. Like, let me get this on the gram somehow to make it the angle just right to make serving look amazing. It doesn't work because serving is often the dirtiest, most mundane, least thankful job ever. But she's able to enter into that and say, man, when God is my ruler, I don't have to worry about that stuff because he is a good God. I can find my place there. And even if it is lowly and people never recognize it, it is absolutely worth it because he is a good God. And I find myself located in him. If we want to be men and women who are faithful for the duration of our life, it's important that we place ourselves rightly in God's story. We're not the hero, and that is ridiculously good news. Uh, God is the hero, and he brings freedom. And the weight 
of responsibility falls on his shoulders, not ours. Uh, something that's incredible about this story too is that Mary, right, she, she cries out from her humble estate, the lowly estate, and catch this, God doesn't take her out of that to use her. Like sometimes we think like, all right, I'm gonna start off low and then I'll turn to God and then he raises me up, right? And then I, get to be, then I get to be the important one. Then I get to be in charge. Then people look up and call me blessed, right? Like that'll be amazing. And we've posthumously given Mary a ton of cred, right? Like we are really, really thankful for her. I mean, some people really, really, really are thankful for her. Um, but we look and we are like, yes, she did incredible things. Remember, nine months after this encounter with angels, she can't find a bed to sleep in. God didn't take her out of that lowly estate and give her a throne somewhere. But she continued on and served him from that lowly estate. And I think that's the way of the kingdom, that God comes to the lowly and uses the lowly. So how do we press in to be among the lowly? If that's the space where God comes, uh, kicking the high and mighty off their throne, why do we try so hard to be among them? And when Jesus says, my, my presence and my, I'm gonna make my way among the lowly, why would we not pursue that and make that our space, welcoming them as we welcome Jesus in that place? Again, it's only gonna happen as we're rightly oriented in God's story and seeing who he is and who we are in light of that. Uh, the second thing that I would love us to see from, from Mary's story is that what God was doing in Mary was a microcosm of what he was doing in the world. And I know it's a little bit big, but we got all the grown folks here, so we can, we can dive into that for just a second. So Luke starts off uh, telling this story that the Spirit of God is gonna come upon Mary, right? He's gonna hover over her, and something that there is not life in currently, he is going to create life. And so if you look back, uh, Genesis 1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness, right? And then brings life out of that. Uh, fast forward now, Jesus, uh, he hovers over Mary. He, he comes upon Mary, and out of her is going to be life again, right? Healing and restoration and freedom and forgiveness and all those things that reverse the curse that came in Act 2 of the story when human beings rebelled against God and said, we're going to do it our way. Fun fact, go to Acts 1, and Luke does it again as he writes Acts 1. What happens? There's chaos, there's uncertainty, there's confusion. What's going to happen? The Spirit of God comes and hovers over a community of people and births something brand new, the church. Like, what, do you guys catch that? Does that give you goosebumps, right? Like, that's pretty wild what he's doing in this story. And so this, what he's doing in Mary is this microcosm of what he's going to do for the world. To come to the lowly and empower them to bring life to those who otherwise would not have it. Like basic science says, if you're a virgin, you're not having a baby. But God comes in and says, ah, or you are, right? And then she gives birth, right? The same thing happens some 33 years later. If you die, you don't rise again. Or maybe you do, right? And Jesus rises again. And he says, I'm the God who takes things that seem like they should not happen, right? There, there is an order to things. Yes, there is. But guess what? When you're the ones who create it, you can do some extra things on top, can't you? Like you can bring life out of death in a way that no one else can. And here's what my pressing in on us as we are a people who lean into Advent this year, uh, that we would be people who, one, take up that role as selfless servants because God is a great God who invites us into his story and he will 
always, always do what is good for us, even if it is super confusing in the moment. Always. And then secondly, when you look at the dead spaces, the broken spaces, the shattered spaces, the spaces where you say, life can't come out of that. Uh, realize that what God did for Mary in stirring up and bringing life, uh, what God did at the resurrection when he stirred up Jesus who was dead and brought him to life, he will one day do for all of creation. Uh, that there actually is a day coming when Jesus defeats and finally puts in its place once and for all Satan, sin, and death. Yes, he defeated him at the cross, right? And rises again to say, your power is dead. But that's what we're looking forward to in that second advent is when he comes and finally and fully sets that up. And so my hope is that we as a community, right, we're missional communities who gather together, each serving in areas of brokenness and looking at our neighborhoods and saying, hey, what is beautiful? We celebrate that. What's broken? Let's be people who give life there. That even as we enter as those selfless servants in spaces, we don't do it as the hero. We don't do it to get the accolades or the likes or the, the internal satisfaction that at least I'm making a difference. But we do it as we represent the God who is making all things new, who brings life out of death. And my prayer would be as we're sent out in 2020 into 2021, that that's what we carry with us, this, this rightly orienting ourselves in God's story and remembering that God's spirit is bringing life in this space. And that that would cause us to go forward with courage. Not our skills, our talents, our abilities, but who God is, what he's done, and what he sent us into. His spirit is alive. It is active. He is empowering us. Would we experience more of that in 2021 than we did even this year? Would you guys pray with me? Uh, Jesus, we absolutely love you, and we're blown away that you take time to even be with us, that you rescue, that you restore, that you bring life. As I read these words over us again, let the Spirit again stir up some of them as good news. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Uh, hear this, if you feel like God has not seen you, he absolutely does. He sees you in the space you're in and the tears you cry and the loneliness you feel. From now on, generations will call me blessed. And Mary saw that she was in a moment that was weaving together God's past, his present, and the future. And she said, all this is going to come together because they're going to see how special Jesus was, how special Jesus is. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy, set apart, different is his name. His mercy, hear this fam, his mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, we are tied to the past. Uh, those that have taken up faith in Jesus, belief in his story, and set out their lives, the long journey of becoming the people God called them to be. And there is plenty of mercy for that road. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. 
He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Uh, Let that convict uh, if it needs to. The inmost thoughts, are, are we marked by pride? Or are we actually selfless servants, even not just in our external actions, but our inward thoughts? He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts, and that's good news. He brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. That's the kind of kingdom we're in. Rulers on their thrones are brought down, but the humble are exalted. He's filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. God, would you remind us that those things aren't true? They're not a wish list that we send off to a distant deity, but that's who you are and the kind of kingdom that you've set up. You're a God who draws near to those who are humble. Would we find our confidence not in right belief or right action, but a right love that sets you as the center of our universe where you truly belong to be? We love you. And we ask that you continue to minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen.